You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, it's here. The course on using ministry prayers from the book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, has been posted to BrideMovement.com. This particular class features nine segments, nine separate course teachings uh, that will take you from the uh, opening prayer for deliverance sessions all the way through synthetic genetics and how to get free of them found in the back of the book, Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth. I'm really excited about this course because we get a lot of questions along the lines of, you know, Daniel, how do we get the details and the mechanics behind what you put in your prayers? Or how can we train our teams to use your prayers? What do you have available for that? And and my answer has been, it's coming soon. So just hold on. Well, it's here and you could just go to bridemovement.com or and go to our Bride Ministries Institute tab and just buy the course. Uh, you don't need to sign up for any other courses if that's the only one you're interested in. Uh, you have a lot of interest. You know, people have been waiting. Daniel, when are you going to get to the heavy stuff? We see you got the spiritual warfare up there. We see you got grace. But what about the heavy stuff? So we're starting on the heavy stuff, folks. It's up there. It's ready to go. I want to encourage you, if this is the kind of teaching and training you've been looking for, just jump, jump right in. I want to also let you all know that hope... A survivor that has been featured a number of times on Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall has released a book, and it's called To Tell the Truth. Well, we supported her by buying a whole bunch of copies from her, and um, that has allowed us to make her book available to you, and we're trying to help her by giving her more of a platform by which to reach people with her message a purchase of To Tell the Truth from BrideMovement.com is a way that you can support Hope, who is a survivor of Illuminati programming. I want to encourage you guys to get the book, buy one for you and one for a friend, because people need to know what's going on behind closed doors. And she definitely goes the distance in her book to give, I mean, detailed explanations of the things she saw and heard and was forced to participate in. And so uh, that is available along with all of my books and uh, all of that's at bridemovement.com. I want to encourage those of you that appreciate what this ministry provides to partner with us financially. And many of you are and have and continue to do. And we are so grateful for you. We pray for you. We cover you. And we believe God for your increase, your breakthrough, uh, and every good thing uh, being magnetized to you. But uh, if you are wanting to jump in the boat and financially partner with us and help us to press on towards the mark of the prize, which is the high calling in Christ Jesus, Go to broadmovement.com, click the Donate tab. You can also write in to us at P.O. Box 835-661, Richardson, Texas 75083. That's our P.O. Box. And we'd just love to hear from you that way as well. Other than that, we're going to jump right into the program. I have a new guest today, uh, one that has not joined me before on this program but has quite a voice within the Christian community, is a prolific author. Her name is Jennifer LeClaire. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with her. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, I am very excited this week to introduce you to a new voice on this platform, but not a new voice to, well, Christianity. My guest today is Jennifer LeClaire. She is the senior leader of the Awakening House of Prayer in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the founder of the Ignite Prophetic Network, the co-founder of of Awakening Blaze Prayer Movement and the author of a lot of books. I, I mean, she has written, 
<laughs> prolifically. And so I'm holding one of those many books in my hand. It is called 101 Tactics for Spiritual Warfare, which we are going to be talking about today. And I'm actually very excited to talk about Jennifer LeClaire. Welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love what you guys are doing there. And uh, we're going to dive deep today. Well, you know, I, I hope so. I hope I can pull on you a little bit and get you to talk about what you wouldn't normally talk about. <laughs> um, but, you know, Jennifer, let's just talk about spiritual warfare, ground zero, and your experience. How did God get a hold of you and take you into a place where you are turning around to write a book on 101 tactics for spiritual warfare. You know, honestly, the spiritual warfare against my life started when I was just a kid, like maybe three or four years old. I began to see demons. I began to see spirits. I began to see what I now know is the spirit of fear. So I believe that many times children before they're sort of, I don't want to say corrupted by the world, but sort of before the doubt and unbelief seeps in that comes with being in the world, I think children oftentimes with nightmares or with things they say they're seeing, I think many times children really are seeing in the spirit, whether it's an angel or whether it's a demon. So at a very young age, I'd say about three years old, I began to see the spirit of fear in my bedroom. And, and, and so, and my mother would think it was an alligator and come in and, you know, she, she'd say, oh, I'm gonna chase away this alligator. She thought it was a shadow. I was seeing demons. And I, I feel like there's been a war against my life, my whole life. And, and just recently even, I went through about a two year period where I was under such warfare like I've never been under before. I was uh, being, little did I know, really cursed by some people that I was, working with and so that's a lesson because sometimes people who say they're on your side are actually working against you behind the scenes and so my body was sick my mind was was under attack my relationships were under attack my finances every every area all at once and I call that you know all hell breaking loose against you so you know through that I began to get back to some basics which is part of what this book is about some of it is to some people basic, some of it to some people is a reminder, to other people it's a lifesaver, uh, but there's really something here for everyone, and I sort of just began to, to press into scripture and say, you know, what are these fundamental elements, because sometimes when I get under attack, I don't know about you, but my brain just feels like a scrambled egg, my eyes begin to burn, there are just symptoms of a spiritual attack, and, and I just put down every tactic I could find in scripture uh, about spiritual warfare just as much for me as anybody else because when I get under attack sometimes when I can't think straight I, I pick up this book and say okay I forgot I have this I can do this here's a weapon here's a tactic and so that's sort of a, a roundabout way of answering your question I suppose but that's how I got into it uh, and, and that's a beautiful thing right because what people need is they need tools as a matter of fact that's one of the reasons why we just released a book called prayers that shake heaven and earth it's for the purpose of putting tools in the hands of believers because Jennifer what I found is that many believers struggle because they go to church and they get religion but they don't get equipped well that's that's absolutely true that's the problem and you know if you look at the fivefold the purpose of the fivefold Ephesians 4 and 11 says that Jesus gave to the church some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry to the edifying of the body of Christ and so on but we've got into and I, and I love we need pastors I love pastors I'm not bashing pastors but we've got into this pastoral paradigm where we're just feeding sheep but we're not equipping sheep and we, we really got to get back most people that I run into don't know a lick about spiritual warfare they're getting beaten down shaken up you know they're 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 just being annihilated their finances their families and they don't even know how to fight and i think you know i love the church but i think that leadership in the church generally broadly speaking has not done a good enough job teaching on spiritual warfare and we need to see more teaching there's not even there's not even that many books really comparatively if you go on amazon and type in spiritual warfare you're going to have a few compared to how many there are on other topics it's a much needed topic <laughs> amen it's interesting 
I had a very similar experience when I was growing up, Jennifer. I uh, also had a lot of encounters with demons. Mm. I would see them at night. I would see them in my, you know, in, in different. And I actually went through a transition where first I saw demons ranging from everything from what looked like one from a picture book of Noah and the Ark. It was like Noah showed up in my room, but it wasn't Noah, you know, to yeah. uh, all kinds of other stuff. And, and there came an end and a transition for me where after a certain point when I was in middle school going to high school, I began to have to deal with demons that would sleep paralysis, um, wrestle with me in my sleep. They would show up in the dream, begin to attack me in the dream, and I'd wake up into a sleep paralysis and then have to fight it until I could open my mouth and, you know, call on the name of Jesus and end it. But I'll tell you, it left me with a lot of questions. And I grew up in church. But Mm. when I got, you know, done backsliding in college and came back around, my question was, God? I need to understand what happened to me. And that was a a driver to learn about the tools that God had made available to us as believers for engaging the powers of darkness. And uh, what I learned later is that I had a pretty light compared to a lot of the folks we're ministering to now. I mean, (laughs) just being completely real about it. People are going through stuff, Jennifer. And so... Uh, let, let me ask you this. Okay, so getting into your book, 101 Tactics for Spiritual Warfare. I mean, you have so many subtitles. I mean, literally, folks, the book is 101 nuggets of ways to engage the enemy. Things like speaking the name of Jesus, loosing God's warring angels, praising the Lord. And so what I'm going to have you do, Jennifer, is I'm going to have you just talk to me about some of these. And I'm going to just pick some of these that I really want you to talk about. And we're going to hop around a little bit during this interview. But I think, folks, you're going to really enjoy what she has to say. And one of the ones I wanted to start with was point number 16. You talk about run to your own company. What is that? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Well, you know, the Bible speaks in Second Peter 1 and 1 of those of like precious faith. And technically, all those who call upon the name of the Lord are of like precious faith. But we know that, you know, we have some schisms in the body. Some believe in spiritual gifts. Others believe in apostles and prophets. Some don't. Some believe in praying in tongues. Some don't. So when you're really under attack, you want to run to people who believe the same as you because otherwise you're going to get told well there's sin in your life you're going to run into job's friends so we see this in acts 4 after peter and john healed the men at the gate beautiful uh, they were arrested for preaching jesus they had signs and wonders they were arrested the the priests the rulers of the temple the sadducees they commanded this dynamic duo not to speak or teach in the name of jesus and so in acts verse 23 we see this language here it says uh, on being released they went to their own people and some translations say their own company and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them when they heard this they lifted their voices in unity to God and prayed uh, and, and they actually prayed for boldness and so when you're under attack you want to 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 run to people who have your back who you consider in your company like in a uh, you know we have companies of profits we have we have uh, companies in the military so these are people who believe and understand the same as you that you can go and tell them hey this this Jezebel spirit's attacking me and they're not going to look at you like you have three heads <laughs> Well, um, amen to that. You know, I I will say that many times when, when I'm talking to people that have just found our ministry, Jennifer, we, we I get that comment. It's like everybody looks at me like I have three heads. And of course, you know, Bride, we, we, we deal a lot with survivors of satanic ritual abuse. We also get into helping people that have come out of government-sponsored mind control agendas. I mean, we're working with people that have their demons anchored to physical implants embedded while they're in a laboratory. And wow. they, they come to people and those in the church and they're like, I really do want Jesus. I really want help. Um, but they, yeah, they get look like they have three heads, and, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I believe them. And, and at, you know, praise God, because sometimes we don't even see that just the demons come out. We actually have the 
evidence of the physical implants and pictures that come out of the body as well in response to some of the deliverance that happens and it's it's the power of jesus and uh you do sometimes just need to find your tribe and um wow so good okay talk to me about engaging in the prayer of agreement wow well that uh that can only be done with someone who is in your company so you know there's strength in numbers we know that uh it's it's a it's a it's a what do you call physics uh, a physics concept there there, there's strength in numbers uh, but there's power in agreement and so you know whether it's with one person or whether it's with a group of people you can increase your firepower exponentially let me give you the scripture for this it's Matthew 18 verse 19 Jesus said if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask it will be done for them by my father who is in heaven for where there were two or three assembled in my name there i am in their midst and so this 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 really speaks of uh, of 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 to some extent corporate prayer but here's the thing we've got to get into agreement i'm sure you know uh, you've probably gone to people say hey will you pray and agree with me and my daughter's sick whatever and and they're like "Mm -hmm, amen and they pray but they're not really in agreement so we need to when we engage in the prayer of agreement it's not about calling sister christian on the phone and getting them to say yes amen it's somebody who can really almost empathize with you it's someone that has your back to the extent that what hurts you hurts them you know the bible says when one suffers we all suffer but many in the body don't have that mindset and and a friend of mine recently began to speak to me about the concept of a flight team she said there was something in her life that she could not move out of the way and she was asking the lord lord i can't move this mountain i can't move this obstacle and the lord said what would you do if if there was something in the natural, a couch, a refrigerator that you could not move on your own. And she said, well, I would get some help. And he said, you need to build a flight team. And she said, what is that? And he said, Deuteronomy 32 and 30, which is, you know, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. So the prayer of agreement with people who really agree and really one is sufficient, but the more firepower in agreement, in unity that you have, I think the faster you can push back the darkness. So true. Okay. Amen. You put a chapter in your book called Refuse to Meditate on the Devil's False Prophecies. And I'll just, you know, say from my experience, I've found that false prophecies come from different venues. They do come from horoscopes, but they also come from things like uh, people that show up in a church and give a person a word. Um, they come from places like a person's dream life. I, 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 yes. I, I, I want to get you to talk about this. Okay. And how, how does a person even identify a false prophecy? Um, and, and, and what is the power of meditation relative to a false prophecy? What do people need to know? Well, you can recognize a false prophecy because it, clashes with the spirit of the word. We have to understand the Holy Spirit is the spirit of prophecy, and the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. And so if if the prophecy flies in the face of Scripture, if it brings fear, not fear of the Lord, but fear, if it brings confusion. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If it brings discord, we know that that's not the Lord. And so when we know the word and we understand the spirit of God and the ways of God, we can begin to discern when something does not line up. There's a dead cat on the line somewhere, as they say in the South. And so these these, these false prophecies, now these could be vain imaginations. Uh, these could be uh, really what I'm speaking of here is in this particular chapter, uh, it, it could be from a prophet. It could be from a person posing as a prophet. It could be from someone who claims to have a prophetic gift who prophesies something disastrous over you. There was a, a prophet many years ago who was who was, a, who was a great guy. He was a real prophet, but he prophesied over me that I was going to go through the greatest trial of my life, that I would wonder if I was even saved, even called, that if wondered if I would ever recover, and then he stopped. And I'm like, this devastated me because he was a— a, a very strategic, very accurate voice. 
And I'm like, my gosh, what's going to happen? I was afraid, but I took this to my uh, pastor and I said, what am I to do? And he said, you know what? He did not give you the rest of the prophecy. Yes, this is going to happen. You're going to walk through a hard time. You're, 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 you're going to feel like you're just alone and lost. But he said, on the other side of that, when you persevere through that, you're going to come out with a new anointing and, and a new mantle and all these things. And so we can we can get prophetic words from people or the enemy can speak to us and it's only partial. See, when the devil speaks to us, he, he often re- speaks in the first person, so it sounds like you, but it's almost always the exact opposite of what God wants to do. So if the devil says, well, you can't pay your bills. The Lord is, is it has a financial breakthrough at your door. You just have to believe it. He's trying to talk you out of it. And when we meditate or think about it, think about it, think about it, think about all the things the devil's saying, all these vain imaginations, we are actually renewing our mind to the devil's plan for our life. And that is very difficult and, 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 and could be catastrophic because when you begin to change your mind about a thing, you begin to speak forth a thing, and then you're in agreement with the devil, and then you're going to see that thing come to pass because the power of death and life are in your words. Hmm. So, if, if you don't mind me asking, how did that experience actually play out for you? Uh, so, so the guy said, you know, it's going to be bad. Your pastor said there's redemption on the other side of it. Did you actually walk through the tough season, or what happened? Yeah, I did. Um, I can't even remember all the details anymore. I've been through so many trials in life, but I, it, it was rough. Um, it, it, there was issues going on in my family, issues going on uh, in my business, issues going on in my life. Uh, and, and I don't remember it being quite as bad as he painted it to me. I think many times in the realm of the prophetic, people hear something or they see something and sometimes they augment things. It comes through. It startles them. They prophesy out of, uh, and please don't get me wrong, I'm all about personal prophecy, but I think sometimes a little bit of the soul gets in there. Uh, maybe they hear something and they deliver it and they sort of add a little bit onto it. Uh, not that they mean to, not that they're bad people, but I think he embellished a little bit and just sort of um, made it seem worse than it was. But I did go through a trial and I did come out the other side smelling like a rose, not like fire, not like smoke. Uh, rather, but but like a rose, and uh, and if it hadn't been for that pastor that said, look, this prophet stopped short, I would have probably seen a, 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 a well, a, a really devastating season. That probably is why it wasn't as bad, was because I had hope for what was coming on the other side. We see, and and I'll just say this: when you prophesy to somebody, if, if you prophesy a trial, prophesy the redemption, prophesy the outcome, prophesy the blessing, because that gives somebody hope to hold on to while they're walking through hell. That's really good. That's really good. Okay. Alignment. Uh, I, I found these chapters to be really, really good. And I want you to talk to us about, first, breaking wrong alignments. And second, cultivating right alignments. What is the revelation behind that? Wow, wow, wow. Well, you know, I uh, this is a subject that's really on my heart right now because of some of the things I'm seeing going on in the body of Christ with people getting really, really hurt through wrong alignments. You know, I, I the best illustration I can give, first of all, an alignment is just like when you come into synergy with someone, you, when you come into uh, like a, a partnership, an agreement, an alliance, it could be with uh, a, a pastor. If, you, if you're sitting under, they call it covering in the old school. And I, and I know people still call it covering today. I shy away from that because of the shepherding movement and they used that word and it became very controlling. Alignment is just walking with, running with somebody who can speak into your life. That might be a pastor. It might be, you know, an apostle, whoever. Uh, But the best example I have of a wrong alignment comes from a situation in uh, my condo. And and I would travel a lot. And I came back one time and there there was a cockroach infestation. And I'm like, this is crazy. There's no reason for this. There's a exterminator that comes out every month. He's not missed a beat. My daughter is not living with me anymore. She's grown. She is gone. There's no popcorn under the, you know, there's no peanut butter under the couch, no ice cream bowls stuck in the drawer. There's no reason for these roaches. Well, I, I, I called the exterminator again. They came out. Roaches went away for about a day, came back again. I, I put a bug bomb in there. All the roaches died. A couple of days later, they came back again. And this was a repeating issue. Finally, I called the management company and I said, you have got to deal with this issue. I'm paying tons of money. You've got to fix it. So they sent someone out. 
they went into the condo above mine. There was a roach infestation like nothing they'd ever seen. They had left out food. They'd gone back to Canada. There were snowbirds. I live in Florida. They came back down. They said, they said, Jennifer, here's the problem. They said, you are, and they use these words, you are aligned. Your, your wall in your kitchen is aligned with their kitchen wall, and the roaches are crawling through the walls and coming in through like a little crack, so, I mean, you know, some kind of crevice, and you are getting a, a just a portion of the infestation they have, but it's affecting you. And in that moment, I saw alignment in the whole wrong way. See, you could be doing nothing wrong. You could be doing everything right. But if you're aligned with someone who's stirring up strife and drama, if you're aligned with someone who's under constant warfare and doesn't know how to fight, you can be getting the spillover of their warfare in your life. So it's important that we break alignments. And we see this in the Bible in Joshua 9 with the Gibeonites. Joshua aligned with the Gibeonites and had to go fight a war that he would have been better off not fighting. What do divine connections open up for a person? Well, there is, there's all, well, synergy is the first thing. Hmm. I mean, I've got some alignments in my life that absolutely, when I was, uh, I was ordained many years ago, but I recently was reordained through uh, Bishop Hammond's ministry, Christian International. I got home from that. I mean, I was already prophetic. I was already walking in the office of prophecy. When, when I came home from that, I went to a whole other level in prophecy. I aligned with, with Chuck Pierce, and I aligned my church with Chuck Pierce. They came, Chuck came to my church, prayed over me. I began to have the nations open up. Chuck travels all over the world. I began to have the nations open up to me. Like I'm, I, 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 mean, I, could, I mean, like legitimate ministries from around the world inviting me to come this these are through the, it opens doors it opens opportunities you partake of part of the anointing that's on the life of the one with whom you align my ignite network we offer alignments through that and people come to me and they say i've got a, a scribe anointing now this, this this spillover of your writing anointing is falling upon me just because i'm in your ignite network so it is real i can't really explain it um, but I know that it's real. I know that when uh, in, in Ecclesiastes 4 and uh, 9 through 12, it says two are better than one because there is a good reward for labor together. And part of that labor is that synergy that just unlocks. That's good. Alignment. Wow. Okay. So we talked about uh, refusing to meditate on the devil's false prophecies. Let's talk about meditating on the word of God. Mm. Yeah, so important. And you know, the Word of Faith movement taught that, uh, and some people took it out of context into a name it, claim it sort of situation. I don't believe in that, but I do believe in meditating on the Word of God. Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8, uh, the Lord said, this was after Moses was taken on uh, to heaven, be strong and courageous in order to act carefully in accordance with all the law that my, my servant Moses commanded you. He said, do not turn aside from it to the right or the left so you may succeed wherever you go. But he said this, this book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, not just in the day, not just in the night, day and night so that you may act carefully according to all that is written in it for then you'll make your way successful and you will be wise. Meditating on the word, it just means you know, to, to say it over and over, to think about it, to talk about it, to mutter it over and over and over. Uh, it's actually the Hebrew word Hagah, and it's, it means to murmur, to ponder, to imagine, to mutter, to speak, to study, to talk, and to utter. And when we do that, we're, we're renewing our minds, and it builds our faith, and we're also releasing the power of life that is in our tongues. So it's, it's critical. Mm, mm, mm. I find that it's often in that place of uh, quiet contemplation where I am able to hear new technologies from heaven, mm. uh, where a scripture that I may have known for years gets unpacked and it's just, oh, you, you could apply it like that? It's, it's typically that place. And uh, sometimes, I mean, and, and recently, you know, I was dealing with a very, very tough case. And I had, you know, tried to get a person delivered for a period of time. And, and we're actually, for those of you that are listeners to this podcast, we'll be doing a program on this later on. But the issue was an actual walk-in. And 
this thing was just really tough. And so two hours went by with no success. And I actually had to meditate uh, on the Lord for the mechanics on how to get the job done. And over a period of two weeks, they came in. Um, in that place of meditating and meditating the word of God, the ways of God, the, the, the laws of the spirit, so on and so forth. It's so, so powerful. And, and it's one of the problems, Jennifer. You write it down, you say it, you speak it. But how many Christians sit there and do it? <laughs> yeah, that is the point. We hear about it. We know it's right, but we don't take the time to do it. You know, part of the reason why, and I hate to and don't take this wrong, but, you know, Bible reading plans are wonderful because they get people reading the Bible. But I think the problem, if we're not careful with Bible reading plans, is that we can be so concerned with reading X number of pages that we don't actually study, we don't actually think about it. You know, I, I, I'm in a season right now where I might read a chapter, or even half the chapter, but I'm studying the different Greek or Hebrew words, and I'm thinking about what it really means, and I'm getting so much revelation out of it because I'm meditating on it, I'm studying it, I'm muttering it. And, and, I th- and, and again, Bible reading plans are great, but you know, not at the expense of just being shallow. You know, if you want to go deeper, you, you got to meditate. You really do, it, whatever that looks like for you. I and mean, for years, and I still have the list, it's right over here, it's like 15 pages long. I used to read this list of scriptures morning and night. I did exactly what Joshua 1 and 8 said. And I, it was all these scriptures about who I am in Christ, about what belongs to me, and different confessions I met up in line with the Word of God. And, and I tell you, it revolutionized my life. And I don't do that anymore because I, I have kind of, that was like my, my training wheels. This is in me now. And so if you poke me, the Word of God is going to come out because I've spent the time digging the well. And that's so important to spend that time because there are seasons in life that where you go through where you are under heavy attack, and it's almost hard to read the Bible. I mean, let's get real. Sometimes it's hard to, hard to pay attention. Like you can sit there and think and read, but you, you're, you're not absorbing anything. You know, Have you ever read a book or the Bible and like 10 minutes later realize you, you, your eyes did the motion but you didn't absorb any of it. And in seasons of warfare, yeah, in seasons of warfare, sometimes that happens. And but if you have a well dug on the inside of you, you can draw from that well. And the sword of the spirit will be just as alive in you. And so, meditating, I tell you, it, you, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, revelation of the root. Mm. Pray for the revelation of the root. You tell us to do that. Why? Because I believe wholeheartedly that we need to lay an ax to the root. And if we don't get to the root, we're just pulling weeds. Uh, You know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 and 26, he put it this way. He said, so therefore I run not with uncertainty. So I fight not as one who beats the air. The NLT here says, uh, I am not just shadow boxing. And I think that's what we do sometimes in the realm of the spirit. We get so used to fighting the same three devils we were taught we needed to fight, whatever those three devils are. So maybe it's fear, rejection, maybe it's Jezebel, maybe it's witchcraft, whatever it is. And we get so rote in spiritual warfare. And we're just picking fights with devils that aren't even messing with us. So I bind you, Jezebel. And Jezebel's nowhere on the radar screen. But you start warring against Jezebel, you're going to get knocked because, you know, you're not ready for the retaliation. So we don't want to just, you know, presume to know what the what the uh, you know what the what the issue is. We want to ask the Holy Spirit what's going on and and, and determine uh, also what are the thoughts. Get to the root. You can get to the root of an attack by the thought that's coming at your mind. That's really good that you said that. You can get to the root by the thought that's coming to your mind. Many people get stuck, Jennifer, because they get this far and they say, okay. Well, what is the root, though? And they find that they are pretty shut down in and of themselves. They try to pray, but they don't hear. Uh, they try to listen to someone talk about seeing in the spirit, and that makes zero sense to them because the only thing they see is the blackness when they close their eyelids. And they feel like completely unqualified to find a root or figure it out. Um, but you just said, you know, when you begin to pray, the first thought that begins to come to your mind. Are, do you have other advice for people uh, that may be in that place where they're just really shut down? 
Yeah, you know, that is a time to run to your own company. The enemy will always try to isolate you and, and also try to cause you to operate out of pride where you don't want to do what it says in James, confess your sin one to another or confess your faults one to another. Or, you know, you could you could even say this, it would still be true, confess the imaginations of your mind, confess your struggles. You know, whatever is not a, a faith is sin. So if you're oppressed at that level, I'm not saying you're in sin, I'm saying sin is going to tempt you. You know, we're, we, we have to really... Uh, uh, you know, when we're when we're under that much warfare, you, you, you almost have to get help. You, you don't want to wait until you get to that level of warfare where you feel like you just want to give up. You feel like you just can't go on. You feel like you're never going to break through. Hopefully, we don't wait that long before we reach out for help. And I know some people just don't have anybody to go to. I get that. They're pastor. They just think they're crazy. Their friends don't understand them. They're like, you know, like I said before, like Job's friends. So in that case, when you're feeling this way and you don't know what to do, you cry out to Jesus. You, Lord, deliver me from this evil. God, I praise you. I sing praises to your name. I worship you. And change your spiritual climate. Change your atmosphere. Don't just sit there and think that, well, you know, I'm going to feel better tomorrow. I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to eat some ice cream. Don't feed your flesh. Begin to rise up, war, bind, loose, take the tactics in this book, go one by one if you have to, something's going to work. And if you don't know what to do, I know I said get to the root. Sometimes you just can't get to the root. You know what? Just just begin to bind the hand of the enemy. Begin to praise the Lord, worship him, forgive whoever you need to forgive. Take the tactics in this book and just run down the list. Don't start warring with devils. Don't start binding things you know, by name if you don't know what the name of it is. But for the most part, the, the, the different tactics in this book will just, that's why I wrote it. Because when you get that way, you don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. This is great points, great points. Now, I want to talk about the stranglehold of worry. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Worry is a huge problem in the body of Christ and really in the world. Um, you know, I used to have such a major problem with worry, and I used to listen to this. Uh, it was by, uh, I'm trying to think it was. It's like the guy's name is escaping me. Uh, it was Dale Carnegie. It was a how to stop worrying and start living. And it was powerful because there were so many real examples of businessmen, housewives, Christian pastors, and all of these others who had worry problems and how practically they overcame it. The Bible tells us the most practical thing to do is to cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you, that is ultimately what we need to do. First Peter 5 and 7, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. But it, it, what we tend to do, and you've heard this before, but we tend to cast the care and then take it back. And so the enemy wants to, wants to put you in a chokehold or a stranglehold. And when you're worrying, you're not in faith. When you're worrying, you're not receiving. He wants you to, kind of like a wrestler, wants to you know, block the, the air uh, so that you'll black out. He just wants to take you out with worry. And so really the solution to that is you cast the care and you keep casting it. It's a mind battle. When the care comes back, you cast it off again. You refuse to think about it. When the care comes again, cast, Lord, this I, I've given this to you. I'm not taking it back. You are my God. You watch over me affectionately. You, 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 you watch over me carefully. Uh, you, I, you, I am in your grip. I'm in your hand. You'll never leave me or forsake me. And you've just got it, it, It's self-talk in a positive way. I know the New Agers have sort of stolen that phrase, self-talk. But you know, it, you, you got to talk to yourself. Got to talk to God. You got to talk to the devil sometimes. Jesus talks to the devil in the wilderness. Jesus, you know, sometimes we got to talk back to the enemy. Just tell him what's what. It is written is how we go about that. <laughs> Do you have a, a really good example from your own life of? when you were tempted maybe to go into that place of worry and I mean just practically walked this one out because I'll tell you you know Jennifer this is one area and I, I just I'm amazed at how many times a person could hear you know cast your cares upon the Lord but frankly it's easier said than done oh my god don't you know 
Yes, it is easier said than done. It's not easy to do because the battle is in the mind and the enemy is coming uh, rat-a-tat-tat. You know, I, I, my daughter now is 21, but she at one point, of course, was a teenager. And being a single mother and having a teenage daughter, you know, and then they want their curfew to be, you know, 11, then 12, then one as they get older. And, and, and there was a time when she, you know, I texted her, she's supposed to be home at a certain time. And, and, I, and she wasn't home and I texted her and was getting no answer. And I texted her again, getting no answer. I'm not trying to embarrass her. I don't want to call her. You know, I remember what it was like to be that age and you're just wrapping up, you know, whatever. My goodness, the worry that came against me was fierce. I mean, I, the adrenaline, like a fight or flight. And I just had to calm myself down and say, Lord, you know what? There's nothing I can do about this. If, if something has happened, I can't change it. All I can do is Put this in your hands. Pray for protection. Plead the blood of Jesus over her. Bind the hand of the enemy. Do a lot of these things that are in the book. All I can do, Lord, is trust you to protect her and keep her safe and bring her home. Lord, please have her to call me. And, and, and you know, it, it was it was one of the, it lasted about 20 minutes. I was really scared because she's like 16 years old and she's a young girl. And I knew that she was with good people, but see, worry is unreasonable. It, it doesn't matter. It's just unreasonable. So I just really had to stop and pray and calm myself down and, and really trust the Lord. And, and, and here's the thing. If there had been something happen to her, me sitting there, this sounds bad, but me sitting there worrying about it, staying up all night, isn't going to change that something happened to her. The best thing I could do was get myself in the spirit. So God forbid, if something had happened to her, I could go and deal with it responsibly rather than being a basket case. That is really good. <laughs> That's really good. Okay. All right. I, I want to talk to you about demonic cycles. You, you, you said break demonic cycles. Also, another thing easier said than done. But talk to us a little bit about that. Well, there are demonic cycles. And you have to first uh, understand that identifying the cycle is really half the battle. It really is. Until you notice, I'll give you an example from my life. Um, in 2016, toward November, I got sick in November, I got sick in December, I got sick in January, February, and March. 2017 rolls around. I got sick in November, December, January, February, and March. 2018 rolls around. I'm starting to get a hint. I got sick in November, December, January, and February. All of a sudden, I get a revelation. This is a demonic cycle. Why it took me so long? I teach about these things, but what's happening to you is a whole other ballgame. And I'm busy, and I'm running, and I'm feeding people, and I'm doing all these things. So I said, my God, this is a demonic cycle. And so I broke it. I took authority over it in the name of Jesus. I bound sickness and infirmity. I broke the powers of this cycle. And, 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 and that's it's, it's once you see it, so some of you that are listening to this podcast, you might have uh, financial cycles that are up and down. You know, God's not called you to have to worry about money. You, and you see that every, you know, yes, there are cycles in business, even in churches. We know that in the summer, people are on vacation, offerings are down, you know, certain times of you know, retail business, you know, the Christmas season is the hot part and the, the summer is the slow part. So we understand that there are natural cycles, but when it's demonic, when it's, uh, when it's beyond reason, it's a demonic cycle. When something doesn't make sense in the natural, I mean, I was doing everything. I am very healthy. I've not been sick before that in years. I eat right. I sleep right. Organics, supplements, you name it. It did not make sense in the natural. It was a demon. I broke the cycle. You can too. That's that's really good, and and this is true. I mean, there are sometimes timeline issues, and um, I mean, sometimes people you can actually track the demonic cycles through the family lines. It's like you know, every time there's a fortieth birthday in the family, something yeah. you know, cataclysmic goes wrong, and all of this. And, and and this is a very real thing, folks. It needs to be a, a, a understood for what it is and addressed properly with the tools God has given us. Um, okay, I want to talk to you about a, a, just a few more points, and and one of those points is to refuse to follow your emotions, and of course mm -hmm. that ah, 
I mean, it should be self-explanatory, but I'd rather have you explain it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Watchman Nee said that emotions are the belief. Watchman Nee was a man of God. He's gone on to be with the Lord many years ago. He said the emotions are our number one enemy. And we tend to think that... Uh, uh, we tend to think that the devil is our number one enemy, but what we don't understand is that the enemy works through our emotions, and we're not to be led by emotions. The Bible says in Romans eight fourteen, those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are, they they are the sons of God, and so our emotions are are the seat within our soul that filters events and circumstances, uh, and when we react to it. And we have to understand that an emotion is tied to a thought. You, you, you don't feel an emotion without thinking a thing. And so, you know, when, when we begin to uh, follow our emotions, we're going to see the fruit of typically the flesh. Uh, we're going to see relationships. Uh, straight, you know, if you have an anger outburst every time somebody doesn't do something the right way, you're going to damage emotions. But when you begin to feel that anger emotion rise up, you have to say, okay, is this a righteous indignation? Do I have a reason to be angry? And even if I do, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. So I do not want to respond out of this emotion if I have to. You know, I have a 24-hour a rule. When someone sends me an email that, that might be off or, you know, that might be provoking. And I'm not talking about the ones I get from, you know, people who follow the ministry that every once in a while you get somebody that doesn't believe in women preachers and they send a nasty email. I'm talking about something, you know, if I'm dealing with, with someone and there's an issue, you know, I used to work in the business world. This would happen a lot where, where you know, some, some client or some uh some colleague wouldn't like something, I don't respond for 24 hours, not because I'm putting them off or giving them the cold shoulder, but because I'm, I'm settling myself. I don't want to react in the same spirit that they're reacting in. They're angry. I'm not going to respond angrily. So I wait. I let my emotions settle. And that is really a key. If you will just wait, just get with God, just pray. Say, Lord, help me settle before you respond. Uh, you'll give the enemy a lot less, uh, a lot less leg room to, to run around in your life and cause damage. <laughs> that, that is um, really true because especially because the enemy loves to get people to buy into trading on offense. Mm, ho, ho. He loves, you said that. He loves yes. to get people to buy into trade. It's a counterfeit economy. That's but, so good. But, but you know, it, it just takes, you know, a prod to... <laughs> oh, a, 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 a weaker brother or sister, right? And then they lash out and, and an overstressed uh, other individual response. And the next thing you know, uh, everyone's toppling over trading offense. And um, <laughs> it, it's disaster. It can be, it, it, I mean, unfortunately, uh, a lot of leaders of ministry spend a, a massive amount of energy cleaning up messes rather than advancing the kingdom um, mm -hmm. in strategic ways. That is so good. That That's absolutely true. It's like we're babysitting people instead of raising up warriors. And that's part of the problem in the church. There's such a spirit of offense that has arisen. I started warning about this hardcore, not that it just started three years ago, but three years ago I started to sound the alarm. I saw so much of this, just destroying churches and relationships. And and if we would just get over ourselves, I mean, I don't mean to be offensive, but if we would get over ourselves, you know, and just get about the Father's business and understand that it's the enemy that's stirring the pot, then we would have a lot less trouble with the devil because where there's strife and confusion, there's every evil work. So we know this. We know it opens the door to strife, and we fall into the enemy's hands over and over again, but he's, he's playing with our emotions. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about the Isaiah twenty two twenty two key, just because it sounds like mm. really cool. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this. I've seen this work in my life so many times. Mm. You know, Jesus gave us the keys to the kingdom. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, loose in heaven. Matthew sixteen nineteen. But there's another key, and, and in my circles, whatever I'm with, uh, we call it the Isaiah twenty two twenty two key. It's also in Revelation three and seven. It says this in Isaiah, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. Then he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut 
and no one shall open. And the NLT says uh, that uh, when he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. And so the concept here is we want to use the Isaiah 22:22 key to, to lock doors that the enemy is trying to get through and to open doors that the Lord wants us to walk through. Open the door to the King of Glory, shut the door, lock the door on demonic attacks. And, and this uh, really, really does work. It's a matter of understanding your authority to do that, to use those keys. And this is just such a, this is a good message because you know, what, what we need to understand as believers is that we are called to engage with the realm of God. I mean, and this is a spiritual mm-hmm. realm. And uh, we're here to transact um, trade between heaven and earth. And we can unlock doors and storehouses of heaven into the earth as we apply ourselves to the promises of God's word and his ways of doing things. Um, I, I love it. And, and you know, here's one of the other things. Right after that, you talk about self pity, and, and oh. I, I, I really, really need you to talk about self pity because people live and create false identification around their problems. They, they, they take it on as an identity. It's like they have a problem that is their identity, and they spend their whole lives trying to figure out new and improved ways to feel sorry for themselves <laughs> and 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 it really takes a whole lot of energy and time and effort and you watch and you're like huh um you know i, I understand it's rough it's been rough it's it's going rough and, and there's a special sensitivity that i have here because we deal with a lot of very very broken people and i, I mean i feel yeah. bad for them but yeah. what advice can you give on the subject of self-pity and how to avoid it well, you know, count your blessings, first of all. I mean, it's been said that as bad as it is for for you or for me, somebody else has it a lot worse. And I try to keep that in mind because self-pity is a dangerous weapon. I think it was Chris Valentine, I think, at Bethel who said, self-pity attracts devils. I'm wanting to say it was him. Somebody said that, and I've picked up on that because I find that it's true. If the enemy can get you feeling sorry for yourself, you're not going to take authority. You're feeling like a victim. It's that whole victim mentality. And even if you were a victim of satanic ritual abuse or some other kind of abuse or whatever it is, I'm not denying that people are victimized and I'm not saying, you know, buck up and stop playing. So that's not the spirit of what we're saying here. What we're saying here is that self-pity is a trap of the enemy. You're going to heaven. You're saved. Your eternity is secure. Really, ultimately, we have no reason to feel sorry for ourselves. The light afflictions are nothing, you know, Paul said in Corinthians, the light, these light afflictions are nothing compared to the eternity that we're going to have with the Lord, the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And so self-pity is just the wrong response uh, to spiritual warfare. It, it weakens us. It, it causes us to just sit there and, and just just curl up in a ball. And, and I've felt that way before. I know what it's like. You know, my husband ran off when my daughter was two and I had to raise her by myself. I thought I'd have the white picket fence and the two and a half kids and the dog. My dog got taken away. I mean, it's like I lost everything. And, and, and ultimately, I, it was just the grace of God. I never had a self-pity response. I have had self-pity responses to things that were a lot less than that, Mm. but I never had a self-pity response to that, and I think it was just the grace of God. So if you begin to feel sorry for yourself, ask the Lord for grace, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You don't have to sit there, and again, it stems from a thought. The enemy is telling you, oh, poor you, and he says, oh, poor me, because he talks in the first person much of the time. (laughs) All right. Pushing back darkness. How do you, how do you push on darkness, Jennifer? Well, you know that's a that's a that's a term that a lot of intercessors use, and I'd actually never heard it put that way until some years ago. Push back darkness. Like, what does that mean? Is that just something that intercessors say? Um, you know, you push back darkness with the blood of Jesus, with the word of God, uh, you know, pushing back darkness. Yeah, again, it is it is sort of a phrase, a phrase that we use. 
but but we're coming against the devil's schemes. We're we're pushing back darkness with the light. The entry of God's word brings light, and so it's a matter of of using words. It's a matter of uh, just uh, refusing to bow uh, to 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 give in to the thoughts, uh, flooding yourself with light. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of those terms that we use, but there's a lot of power in it. You can even say, "I push back this darkness. I take authority over it in Jesus' name." Well, when I do that, even as I'm talking to you, I'm actually I'm actually lifting up my hands and pushing it, almost like a prophetic act. And I, I guess that's just something I've I do instinctively. If I was going to push somebody away from me, I, I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to push them. And so when I feel darkness becoming to try to oppress me, I push it back because I believe, you know, in some sense it's a prophetic act. But darkness is really there. If you could pull back the spirit realm, you would actually see darkness. So you have clearly done a lot of study. Um, you have uh, equipped yourself. You've been equipped. And you've engaged in a lot of prayer work, prayer warfare, prayer ministry, so on and so forth. So can you walk us through, you know, how it plays out practically for you as you go into a time of engagement in prayer? Mechanically speaking, you know, how do you get started? How do you begin to flow? Bringing in the prophetic, how does that work or transact for you? Bringing in the seer realm, working with a team of others, orchestrating this, um, or, you know, work. Uh, how, how, how does that look? Well, you know, when I engage in warfare, the first thing I do is repent. Um, which is changing the way that I think, but it's also making sure my hands are clean. Uh, you know, if you're going to engage with the enemy, you need to make sure you don't have anything in common with him. And of course, we all have a sin nature. We all have a carnal nature. But we need to make sure that, you know, that we're clean going into battle. We don't want any hooks in us for the enemy to uh, lash on, latch onto. And many times I've found with, with some people when they repent, it actually closes the door on the enemy because the enemy was walking through an open door that uh, was there because of some sin. It might have been a sin of omission, a sin of commission. It could be something as simple as gossip or something, you know, as simple as, you know, the Lord said, do this today and you forgot about it. And, you know, it's, it's sin to disobey the Lord no matter what form that takes. So I come in with repentance and then I always come in and begin to glorify God, to exalt him. Uh, just to to give him that place in my life, acknowledging his power, acknowledging his goodness, acknowledging that he's with me, that he'll never leave me or forsake me, acknowledging that his name is powerful. And then I ask the Holy Spirit, you know, it, I, I ask him before I enter warfare what it is that's 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 plaguing me. Uh, but I begin to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help me fight because the Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit is God, always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus. So I'll say, Lord, lead me into triumph over this enemy. And then and only then will I engage in warfare and begin to bind or loose or use one of these tactics or strategies that I have explained in the book. Now, I get my, my warfare plan before I go to battle. This there are times where there's impromptu battle. You don't have time to go study and pray. It's just, okay, something's attacking me now. I bind it in Jesus' name. There is that. But if I'm dealing with a major lack attack, financial attack, or I'm dealing with uh, a sickness, you know, I, I say, Lord, what is the root of the sickness? Have I brought this on myself? Did I, did I work myself too hard? Did I, you know, do something to bring it on myself so that I can repent? Or is this just a blindside attack from the enemy? Uh, is this a spiritual thing or have I been around sick people coughing and hacking all over me? So I, I reason with the Lord. When I go into battle, I, I use the right tactic, the one he showed me in prayer. And, and that's the, you know, many times people fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting the same battle. It's not unusual to have to fight one battle after another. And it's not even unusual to have extended periods of war. Uh, but sometimes there, there comes a point where, you know, if you've been battling this thing for half your life, you know, maybe you're using the wrong strategy. And that's where we need to go back to basics, 
you know, begin to review books like this, Warfare Principles. The strength is in the fundamentals. And so, that, you know, and in, in, in prayer, when I'm praying, you know, the gifts, I always pray, Lord, let the gifts of the Spirit be activated. Give me, give me, give me, give me a word of knowledge. Give me a problem. And I begin, and, and many times I will get the answer that eluded me during my prayer. And I will even begin to prophesy out of my mouth. If you listen to my mornings with the Holy Spirit prayer broadcast at 6 a.m. on Facebook and Periscope, 6 a.m. Eastern, you'll hear me begin to war, war, war. Then I'll see a picture. The Lord will show me the root of a thing through a picture. So I'll begin to declare what that picture is and then pray into it and, and, and use that. So in prayer, oftentimes while we're engaged in the heat of the war is when the Lord will reveal to us that hidden peace so that we can then immediately go and lay an ax to the root. And have you noticed, like, this is one thing I've noticed, uh, it, it depends on what kind of atmosphere you're praying in. It, you could either go in under what feels like a spiritual ceiling or have that ceiling broken and play from a higher place and actually have the same words spoken or the same script, so to speak, projecting much more power. Yes. You know, prime example, I'm in South Florida and it's a three county area, hmm. Miami-Dade, Broward and Palm Beach County. When you drive past the north past the Palm Beach County line, uh, the atmosphere shifts. So if I go to Orlando and pray, it's an easier time than if I'm praying here in, in, in South Florida. There, there's just the, the spiritual climate is different. So many people will, will tell me, well, I feel like my. Uh, my prayers are hitting the ceiling and, and, and falling back on my head. And that's the, the sign of a hard heaven or a bronze heaven, as it says in scripture. And so, you know, it just takes more firepower. It just takes more prayer. It just takes more aggressive, more militant prayer. So people don't like that word militant. I think it's appropriate because we are soldiers in the army of God. There are times to be downright militant. We don't want to play patty cake with the devil. It's ridiculous to allow him to sit there and run over us when we have all authority over him. We have authority over all the power of the enemy, according to Luke's gospel, and nothing shall by any means harm us. These are the words of Christ. And so I think we put up with just a whole lot more from the devil than we need to because we don't understand our authority and because we don't understand spiritual climates, how to break them open. And it's just, we just need to get educated and we need to keep reminding ourselves of what we already know. Amen. 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 <laughs> that's so that's so good. You know, and, and and this is really where the church needs it needs to get. We we need to become very proficient at this because we're supposed to be here to be change agents. And God God actually has given us the capacity to be change agents. And I, and I think that a lot of the things that we are seeing in the nation right now are because there are select change agents that are doing a lot more than people realize. Um, oh yes, and and God is using secret soldiers. He's got his own uh, secret uh, <laughs> uh, black ops um, believers on on the planet right now doing things that other believers don't even know exist to be done, but um, they are being done, and it's changing things. It's actually changing the terrain, the landscape, the way nations relate one to another, and the more the body of Christ rises up into this space. I mean, the, the, the more we are going to see um, God just just absolutely blow our minds. Um, so anyway, I think, Jennifer, that you have a really great book here. Folks, the book is called 101 Tactics for Spiritual Warfare. It is a great addition to any library. It has a lot of nuggets. I mean, we went through not close to half of all of the nuggets that she has in this book and uh, for those of you that are more seasoned it's going to be I mean just a great way to review and refresh your mind on some of the things you've encountered um, for everybody it's going to have something you haven't considered before and for those of you that are new to this conversation uh, it's going to really help so Jennifer are there any final thoughts that you have before I let you go because I know you have to go you know, I would just encourage our listeners that if you fight, you'll win. If you don't give up, you'll win. You really will. Sometimes spiritual warfare is just a matter of outlasting the devil. So don't give up. Don't let discouragement settle in. You will win. Don't quit. Don't quit. That's the word. Folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. 
thank you so much, Jennifer LeClaire, for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule. And until next time, God bless and God bless speak. you. Thank you. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.